0: I'm lying on the floor next to the main hop pole and I think I've just found some hop shoots coming up. Spring has sprung, the birds are out and everything has warmed up and there are now, I'd say, five or six two to three inch shoots coming up around the various different plants. However, I'm not the first one to find them and at least two of them are about an inch shorter than the rest, missing the bud on top. Now I promised myself I wouldn't get angry, I wouldn't swear on this podcast, But having checked these almost daily to get cloches around and look after them, to miss it on one morning and then be beaten by the rabbits, is a little bit annoying, to put it mildly. So I'm just taking deep breaths, and I'm ignoring the fact that a rabbit has cut down my young hops before they even had a chance to get going. I'm Ben Richards, and in partnership with There's a Beer for That, this is Growing Beer. Little Mm bat. Hello and welcome back. It is early April and you know what? This is starting to look like a real allotment. I'm sat down in the chair now looking out of Richard's doors across the plot and it's a really nice place to be. The sun is shining, the birds are singing and it feels like a productive, warm, happy place and if it weren't for the rabbits nibbling away on those hops it would be just about perfect. And I'm not really angry at the rabbits, don't worry. They're just doing what rabbits do. If you consider actually that on the continent hop shoots are considered a delicacy and sell for hundreds of pounds a kilo i can't really blame the guys at all in fact if i were not so paranoid about how many hops we're going to get come the harvest in september i might try a few myself but it's not a risk i'm willing to take right now but yes the headline news is four out of the six hops are showing signs of life the fuggles the cascade and the Perla plants are all looking like they're going to do really well the goldings haven't shown up yet but that's okay they could just be a slow starter I mean, I knew that the Foggles in the Cascade would be really vigorous, I've been told that already, so I'm not surprised that they're coming up. But what these little rabbits' early attempts at eating all my plants have done is brought forward the first challenge of the month, and that is to protect these plants as they come up out of the ground. Now, I'm a big fan of recycling whenever I can, reusing waste materials if I can. So across the site, lots of the bits of wood of from old pallets. The lintels that I found in the ground are now bordering off some of the beds, so we've got some definition across the allotment. And a friend of mine down the road has got a bar. One of the things that they have quite a lot of are these one-way transparent key kegs, uh, small plastic casks, really, for transporting beer, that once the beer's gone, they're not much use anymore. So I've taken these, I've cut the tops and the bottoms off, and they make really great cloches. So hopefully this should stop Darling Flopsy ruthlessly killing my hops before they even have a chance to get going. It turns out though that rabbits are not the only pest that I've been dealing with this month. As I was digging and turning over the soil trying to get it ready for the barley, I came across these weird flat orange worms, and a quick shout out on Twitter came back with the answer that they are Australian flatworms, and they are an invasive, predatory worm that came over from australasia and eat all of our earthworms which is not good putting it mildly so i've been trying to get rid of these guys as well i've been picking them up destroying them and getting rid of them showing them no mercy whatsoever but there are quite a lot of them i'm not quite sure how they got into the soil here i'm getting somebody at some point either on this plot or a neighboring one must have bought a plant in and they came in the soil but i'm doing my very best to get rid of them this might be an uphill struggle. It turns out that even if they eat all the earthworms around them or they can't find any, they just go dormant. They shrink down and shrink down over months and years until they do find some coming back their way and then off they go. They start growing and feeding again. There's also the usual stuff like slugs and snails, but so far it's not been too bad. I have been popping up every now and then in the evenings to see if any slugs or snails are coming out, but so far, so good. And I've found one or two natural predators as well. I think... We've got hedgehogs snuffling up and down, which is great because they will eat slugs. And I've found some baby slow worms too. And that's also great because they will hopefully help keep on top of the uh, of the various different pests that we, we might find. So with some luck, the hops might actually grow as hoped. It is time to move on to the second challenge and that is the barley. Barley is super important to brewing. You could say that it's the most important ingredient. A beer or ale was made without hops for a very long time, but without any barley or a similar grain, you just don't have any sugar. And that's a big part of barley's role, providing those sugars the yeast will eventually consume to produce alcohol. Now, as with the hops, I've got a rough idea of how barley grows, but I'm not clear on exactly which variety I should go for, what I should expect throughout the spring, Or what problems may come along. And then, assuming I do manage to grow some of the stuff, I've got to work out how to malt it. Now, if you don't know what malting is, after you have grown, harvested and collected all that grain, you trick it into germinating. Basically getting it wet so it starts to grow a little bit, makes its sugars available to you, and then you dry it out quickly to stop it from using those sugars itself, leaving them there for the brewers. And it's not just the sugar that the barley will give our beer. The temperature at which you dry it out at the end of that process affects the flavour and the colour of the final beer as well. The lighter the malt, the paler the colour and the more subtle the flavour that that barley imparts. The darker the colour of the malted barley, either from kilning at high temperatures or from roasting it as you would do a coffee bean, the darker your beer will be and you'll find flavours that will range from lightly toasted bread through to caramel, chocolate or even roasted coffee depending on how much you kill or roast that barley. Now I know the theory behind the process, but how I'm going to do this is a bit of a mystery to me. So I've asked somebody who knows a bit more. Steve Lepoydevine is a director at Crisp Malting Group, and he's responsible for a lot of the malted barley that is being used by breweries in the UK and across the world. So, Steve, thank you very much for your time and your help. I've seen the images of glorious waving fields of barley, uh, but what steps do we have to go through to get it from that seed into the, the, the brewer's hands ready to go?
1: If you're looking at the farming point of view first, obviously the farmer needs to grow the crop, um, and then once the crop is successfully harvested, it would come to us, we would dry the barley, look after the barley, condition the barley, and then we would malt the barley before we can send it out to the brewer for making into beer.
0: OK, quite a few steps then. <laughs> there is a
1: few in there, yes. And when we say
0: barley, it's not just barley, the single product. There must be multiple varieties and types.
1: Oh, no, there's, there's plenty of types around. If you want to know about types of barley, you've, you've come to the right <laughs> place. Um, essentially, we've got two types. There's winter barley and there's spring barley. And then those two types of barley can be subdivided into six-row and two-row varieties. All the malting barleys in the UK are two-row barleys. But we do have a split of the winter and spring okay now when you say winter
0: it's it's
1: you've missed the boat on winter barley. okay so if we're going to grow a barley then it'll have to be a spring barley okay. winter barley is all planted um, actually in the autumn so you could say it's a it's it's a wronging naming convention there but it uh, <laughs> generally grow as planted in September October uh, spring barleys are planted in the springtime generally end of February through to middle of April
0: no For the whole of the the growing beer project, I've got to do this without adding anything onto the allotment or into the the ground, so I'm going to do this as organically as I possibly can. Is there a variety or varieties that would work well for that?
1: The variety that we currently use, um, which has got favour with the organic farmers, is a variety called Westminster. It's favoured by farmers because of its straw strength, and as you cannot put any chemicals on it to try and strengthen the straw then that's a, an ideal variety to to use in the production of organic barley
0: okay and strengthening the straw why would i why is that a factor
1: well you've already told me that your field is on the side of a hill near the <laughs> sea yes so so the wind blows the straw okay. breaks down it goes and no barley. and no <laughs> barley or damaged barley or sprouted barley it's difficult to get the crop to grow properly or dry properly at harvest time if it's stuck to the floor <laughs> that makes sense <laughs> when do i need to sow this um generally the spring barley planting window is end of february through to middle of april um it's tempting sometimes to go as soon as the sun shines and the soil looks dry enough um you generally you want the soil to have warmed up after the winter you obviously need some moisture in there, um, but I think soil warmth is the most important thing for for not going too early. Um, you want to be able to plant it and get it out of the, out of the ground um, and growing as quickly as possible. So establish the crop in the warm. The later you go, the impact is going to be on yield because you're shortening your growing season. So yield,
0: how much can I expect to get out of this?
1: You've got 70 square metres. Mm-hmm. You're looking at somewhere around... 30 to 35 kilos of barley if it goes well if it goes well and that 30 to 35 kilos of barley we would turn into somewhere around 25 kilos of malt
0: that's assuming everything goes well what have i got to worry about wind
1: (laughs) Um, i think yes Uh, uh, so again from what you've told me about your your plot you're going to have nutrients in the soil we're not allowed to add anything Um, it might be worth having a look at some soil analysis to see if there's any need for a bit of good old farmyard manure mm-hmm. uh, on there just to, to boost things got to be careful we don 't put too much on because grain nitrogen is important for malt we don 't want that to be too high, so we might have to sacrifice a bit of yield to ensure that we keep the protein nitrogen contents down so that we can get a, a usable malt <laughs> so yeah. to, to try yeah. and get something to drink at the end of all this so uh, get, get some soil analysis done uh, to see if we can if we can boost the the, the soil. Uh, nutrients in an organic manner uh, wind you have to worry about um, and we've got a hope that again you've told me that there's no other cereals grown around the area so therefore we would like to think that disease and pests uh, will be will be minimal
0: mm-hmm. we're going to get we're going to go with a naive optimism and it's naive optimism <laughs>
1: is organic anyway you can't do anything about no, it exactly um and again i suppose the the other thing uh you, you might be down on your hands and knees doing a bit of weeding hopefully if we get the, the timing right of the planting and you put it into a clean weed-free bed the barley will germinate quickly cover the ground quickly and suppress the weeds so you won't have too much of that to do
0: that sounds good i like <laughs> that suggestion and as far as uh as well as the wind what about rain
1: obviously you're at the lap of the gods with the rain um you might be scooping into the water but should we have drought yeah um yeah, the the uk is renowned for as, as one of the, the world's best malting barley growing countries it's our maritime climate which gives us fairly damp conditions rain is is good through the growing season uh rain isn't so good in the middle of august when you're trying <laughs> to harvest it so again you'll 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 be doing it by hand so to some extent harvesting a wet crop is not so not so much of a problem for you modern combine equipment needs dry grains so it can separate the the grain from the straw um you would have the luxury of being able to go and sort of almost dry it at home with an air hair dryer or something <laughs> so you can you can separate the two so yeah, you okay. know and you, you can tell by by the way i'm describing this that i'm not volunteering to come and help and i'm no. glad i live in east anglia
0: <laughs> so talking about the harvest then when should i be planning to harvest this
1: harvest would typically be again depending on weather and that is um, when i say weather i mean weather through the growing season would and that will determine when the harvest point is generally spring barley is middle of august so that's when you should be looking at looking at yep. getting the scissors out
0: yeah <laughs> right so we've got it i've got my scissors and cut it all down we've got the grain what's the next step with regard to the malting process
1: What we would carry out uh, commercially is we would analyse the barley um, and we would take it into the maltings and the first thing we would do is dry it. And the drying process has two main reasons for doing that. Uh, One is to stabilise the grain and homogenise the grain because you're getting grains coming from different fields, different parts of the same field, and you want them all to be the same. So you dry it all to the same same moisture content and that homogenises it. And that's also the low moisture content keeps it free from pests and disease so you don't want the damp you don't want the moulds the other very important factor and again something to put into your into your pot when you come in about timings of this project is dormancy now dormancy in nature uh, especially looking at spring barley the seed would eventually be shed by the barley onto the ground and that would happen in the autumn time and it's a spring barley. It doesn't want it to grow till the spring, so the the grain would sit there on the ground until the springtime, and it warmed up, and it would grow. And this period of of sleep effectively is called dormancy. And we need to try and break that dormancy. We hurry the process <laughs> by drying it, so a yeah. period of warmth kids eat it its spring, and that'll hopefully get it get the dormancy broken within maybe six weeks, six six or eight weeks. Okay, so Boom.
0: we're still on to rue with that grain this year
1: yes absolutely Good. yes hopefully hopefully we'll we'll have something for october
0: excellent so farmers and brewers have had malted barley for, for centuries how have things changed from traditional methods to the modern ones
1: okay so just by way of introduction the malting process three stages there's the steeping there's the germination phase and there's the kilning phase The idea of the malting process is to initiate uh, germination in the grain. So, again, it's mimicking nature. Um, The main body of the grain is a carbohydrate energy source for the grain, and that is its energy source while it puts down its first rootlets and puts up its first shoot. When that first shoot reaches daylight, it can turn green and start generating energy and that's the the plant solar panel and the carbohydrate source has done its job in the early stages of germination the the grain undergoes processes of modification where cell walls start breaking down to to release the starch enzymes start being created to change that starch into sugar and that's the malting process at that point in time we then freeze that by kilning it and we, we put that into suspended animation. Then when the brewer grinds up the malt and adds hot water, he activates the enzymes. The enzymes turn the starch into sugar, and you can add your yeast, and away you go. We have beer. Yes. Okay. So we do the difficult bit. The brewing's the easy <laughs> bit, I think.
0: I'll, I'll mention that to the <laughs> brewers later on in the project. We <laughs> can discuss it at the, at the end <laughs> together. Yeah, yes. So how has the actual equipment or the buildings and the processes changed over time?
1: Well, we've got a range of malting plants on site here. Shall we go and have a look? That sounds good to me. Let's go. Right, so here we are. Here we are, indeed. Welcome to uh, our floor maltings here in Great Rybra. Um Chris Malting Group was founded back in the 1870s, um, and this is one of the original malting plants. There's only, I think, another... F- I think there's four in total, actually, in England left working. Of these floor maltings, um, and this is the way it would have been done all the way through till probably middle of the middle of the nineteenth century. So, so we've, we've
0: got a wide open floor with a, a, a very low ceiling for me at least. I'm glad I've got a hat on, and the grain is spread across the floor about what that's what four inches deep.
1: Absolutely, uh, the 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 depth of the grain varies depending on what the temperature needs to be of the grain to get it to grow or to to try and hold back the germination process Uh, so it's a very crude temperature control method that we have on the floors so yes and and as the germination progresses the guys will spread it out so it could possibly be only sort of two inches one inch thick um, at the end of germination spread over the whole length of this sort of 30 meter floor
0: and as we're saying about uh, uh, traditional ways of controlling temperature, I can hear a very non-traditional sound in the background, that booming.
1: What's that? That is the gas burners for, for the kiln at the end of the, the malting uh, process. Uh, traditionally, uh, it would have been a, a coal-fired natural draft kiln where the air would have been drawn in by the coal fire and up through the the traditional pagoda-shaped uh, chimney, which would have accelerated the air out and helped you to help the draft of the kiln. Now... We don't burn coal anymore, we burn gas, uh, and we do have a small fan to keep the, keep the uh, airflow constant but it's still a very slow process compared to the modern plants. So
0: how much goes through this traditional process?
1: Uh, we produce somewhere around uh, 1500 tonnes a year through here on a, a batch size of, um, we get about 18 tonnes a batch of malt off at the end.
0: How does that compare to the, the more modern approach?
1: plants on the other side we have two plants over there that were built in the 1980s they produce about 70,000 tons a year and the batch size over there is 220 tons slightly bigger than slightly okay. bigger so
0: my my 25 kilos where's the best place to put that through
1: fortunately for you we do also have a <laughs> micro malting ideal plant in the, in our technical center where we do a lot of research trials on uh, not only the new crop barley to see how it's going to malt, how it compares on the on the dormancy, but we do a lot of comparative work for the Institute of Brewing Distilling, checking new varieties to see how they're going to perform. And we can bulk up if bulk up is the word to uh, up to about 32 kilos in there so you should just about fit in there okay yeah, so don't be too successful with your crop <laughs> else we might have to run two batches
0: so I, I have no need for any diy versions myself i can rely on you guys
1: no absolutely not i mean we could we could bring it and spread it on the floor here yeah um but i think i think we're probably safer using it in the in the micro malting kit all
0: right sounds good that sounds like a plan
1: absolutely it's always good to have a plan brilliant Thank you very much, Steve. I I guess I'll let you know when it's starting to grow. Well, absolutely. That'd be nice to know. That'd be nice to know. I look forward to seeing the photos. Great. Thank you.
0: A big thanks to Steve there. And I suspect that his offer to use their test equipment to malt my barley may be the way forward. Partly as I'm thinking, it's a really, really big risk to try and do it myself with my very, very small, single, very valuable harvest. Listen to me talking about malting already. Nothing like counting chickens, eh? Anyway, following Steve's advice there, the first thing I did was to dig a few holes in what are shaping up to be the barley beds and sent them off to be tested. Steve put me in touch with a company called Agri, and they kindly checked the soil for nitrogen levels, which, as Steve mentioned earlier, has to be just right for the growth of the barley and the quality of the grain it provides. And the good news that came back is that whilst it's not brimming with nitrogen, the soil should have enough. And that coupled with my own home pH test also tells me that it's fairly neutral too, which is good. So there I was this week thinking, it's easy, right? I plant the seed, I watch it grow, malt it, brew it. Yeah, no, sadly not. Since the hops went in last month, Mike and I have spent day after day trying to get the beds ready. And we're still not done yet. We're four weeks in and we're still turning over the soil and picking out the fragments of roots and weeds. It's really, really tempting just to turn over the soil, rake it out and plant the barley as it is. But if you'd seen the state that the entire plot was in before we got started, you'd be as worried as I am. Because what I'm trying to grow is an organic crop with no kind of pesticides or fertilizers on there i don't really know what i'm doing and there's a very good chance that the weeds that are left in the soil could take over the beds and actually affect how much barley we get if any at all and what's making that really hard at the moment is the weather and don't get me wrong i love the sunshine especially when it creates that wonderfully british illusion that the summer is well and truly here in mid-spring but when the sunshine starts to harden and bake the clay soil of my allotment i start to like it a little bit less I'd really hope to get the seed in by now, which is the first weekend in April, but it's just not ready yet. Because I don't have any drilling machinery, I will be manually sowing the seed, scattering it by hand, and then raking and treading it into the ground. Now this means, though, that it has to be really soft, smooth, crumbly soil on top. I can't have the big, lumpy, rocky, dried-out moonscape that I still have before me at the moment. I'll get there, but the going is getting tougher and tougher the longer the sun shines. So it's fair to say that I'm hoping for rain. In this month, we've found out what to expect when we plant the barley and how to malt it if we get as far as harvest time. But if we don't get sowing soon, there won't be any barley to harvest come the end of the summer. Join me next time as hopefully I've got the seed in. We'll be seeing how the eternal battle between hop and rabbit is playing out. And I'll be finding out how I'm going to collect the water for my final beer and why there is far more to it than you ever thought. I'll see you next time. Goodbye.